In some ways, investors in artificial intelligence have to do a lot of what we do here at Tech Emergence, which is to sort through marketing fluff and to figure out what's actually working in terms of applying technologies to real business problems and what's still more pipe dream. Um, as well as what's coming up in the next five years that seems somewhat inevitable and what are people thinking about in the short term that's actually more likely to flop than anything else. In this episode of the AI and Industry podcast, we have Li Jiang, who's on the team at GSV, which is an investment firm here in Silicon Valley. Uh, they also have a, an annual summit that they run uh, locally as well. And GSV is invested in Palantir and a number of other companies that are applying artificial intelligence in some interesting domains. And Lee speaks with us about two topics. Number one, where are the current uh, areas of application of artificial intelligence that he really sees as driving value today, things that are really either saving on costs or, or driving revenue in businesses that the GSV is invested in or has looked at. Um, and two, what coming up in the coming five years does he think is, is most likely to make an impact on businesses in terms of automation? In other words, where is cost savings going to be greatest by kind of replacing human effort? Of course, there's uh, regulatory and legislative concerns with that as well, but there's obviously some major economic incentives to taking humans out of rote tasks. And Lee and I, sort of through the conversation and dialogue that we have, kind of coax out some of, some of his thoughts around what are the patterns of business functions, the patterns of business applications that are quite likely to not require humans or maybe require 10% of the present human effort that they require today, five or 10 years into the future. Uh, these are some, some trends and patterns that I think kind of transcend industry. So hopefully whatever business you're in, you'll be able to kind of think through uh, where some of these patterns resonate in your own business processes and maybe understand a bit of Lee's perspective on where the low hanging fruit might be for AI for you. So Lee, as an investor, a lot of the time we're talking to individual founders who've been working on the same company for you know three years, seven years, whatever it is, in, in one sector, one particular kind of application. As an investor, you get to look at a lot more companies than that, and you get to see companies work out and not work out in addition to you know just one if you were kind of heading something up. Where do you see right now, I'm interested in, from an investor's perspective, where do you see right now AI sort of delivering a tangible return on investment beyond kind of R&D and cool factor in the companies that you're looking at uh, today? Where do, you, where do you see AI kind of hitting the ground running with real value? Yeah, so thanks, Dan. I, I think I look at it at a very simple framework. On In every company, there's two sides of the equation, right? One is the revenue side. How do you drive revenue? How do you drive you know growth? And then the other side is the expense side. How do you drive down expense? And how do you drive more efficiency? And so you know, I, I would say right now we see AI companies in basically every imaginable function that someone is trying something. So your question of, you know, what is actually tangible today, I think, yeah. um, you know, just on the, just on the revenue side, you, you see uh, companies trying to work on higher conversion rates of sales and marketing. You know, that's an area where on the marketing side, I think, AI has a lot of promise and, and there are companies working on that where they can analyze data much faster uh, than humans can, right? Yep. And understanding what, understanding customer insight, customer intent. So, you know, I don't know how specific you want to get, but I can even give you one or two companies. Yeah, um, sure. Go for maybe it. Go I'll for just, it. 
yeah, I'll just describe, you know, there's one company that, that I'm, uh, that I know called Brainify where they're look, looking at data from, you know, all of your public, uh, sources online to understand your intent. Uh, meaning that huh. if they see that you're tweeting about something, if they see that you're posting about something, um, they, they will understand that you're, you know, more likely to go on a, you know, ski trip versus a beach vacation, that you're more likely to be, you know, buying products for the home rather than fashion products. And, based on what sort of uh, messages you're putting out um, in the World Wide Web, let's say, uh, they, they'll be able to predictively understand your intent in buying something and using that data to give to uh, companies and brands. And when you go to the website of those companies and brands, they'll serve you the right you know, products on the homepage rather than, let's say you go to Macy's and I have, I probably... I'm not going to buy, you know, uh, dresses. Right. And so yeah. they will understand that I'm not that target. And, and the products dynamically, the products on the homepage dynamically change to serve things that I might be interested in. And they're able to get, uh, you know, much higher conversion rate uh, as opposed to not using a product like this. So, so, you know, that's, that's a very simple, specific ROI driven, um, product. No, I, I like, I and, like it. I, yeah. I'd actually, I'd actually like to kind of poke and prod that a little bit, Lee. Um, I've heard of a number of folks who are sort of working on this general concept of kind of websites that, that modulate themselves. I have a buddy who, uh, helps run a company mm-hmm. called Lift Igniter that's kind of doing something similar, but they're not pulling from all these sort of sources, uh, in order to, to manifest those changes. I see a lot of that stuff is in some way, at least for my shoes. And again, I'm not investing, you know, right. uh, tens of millions of dollars into these companies like you guys are. But I, I see a lot of that is still somewhat kind of R and D ish. Are some of these guys like Brainify that you mentioned building up a, a portfolio of sort of case studies and track record that's that's kind of proving out this concept? Because it it, it does seem like such a broad and wide issue clearly there's a lot of value to be gleaned there i think i mean it's right. it's very safe to say that you know if i show up on you know i don't know some shopping site for whatever it might be whether it be groceries clothing whatever if you know enough things about me you probably could take a way better stab than you could if you just showed me the generic you know what everybody else in the universe would see content but conceptually i mean no ifs ands or buts i can see the value i i thought of those kinds of applications as still kind of r&d-ish primarily but are are you seeing enough traction there to kind of believe in those yeah i think it's early right these are you know i I think when you talk about these these are seed stage companies that yeah um and i think that's applicable to most areas of ai where there are a lot of seed and series a stage companies um popping up and uh but i would say that they're to a point where they have paying customers right these are beyond just pilots or demos they're they're doing something which is yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, you know, there's revenue from, yep. from multiple customers, so that's a pretty strong indicator. Always, is, you know, is traction and and yep. uh, market traction. So, yeah. So it's it's maybe it's not kind of mainstream now, and maybe it's not so easy as to like, hey, kind of flick it on and it'll work for you, like you know, a CRM or an email marketing software or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But but you you do see that as a an area that you know, is driving some degree of value is kind of left the lab, so to speak, and is an, an, an interesting opportunity on the revenue side. Um, anything else on the revenue side that you see working now? I know we've got like our you know, programmatic advertising kind of stuff going on. We've got all kinds of applications there. What else is kind of exciting you about what you see kind of hitting the ground running today? 
Well, one area I think is exciting and both uh, and maybe scary is really uh, products that are trying to replace you know human staff, like yeah. in sales, for example. Um, you know, the entry level salesperson is called a SDR, sales development rep, and yep. uh, there's you know a company Kylie as an example that is building a product that could automate you know a lot of the conversation, the back and forth emails, and the you know the the very the most common conversation and i think that's one area where it's starting to emerge and you know there's there's lots of promise in terms of instead of having you know a thousand salespeople or a thousand customer service people doing that work you you can do 90 percent of it with ai and the 10 percent that can be handled can go to a can go to a human rep, right? And so all of a sudden you, you have this like 10x improvement. We talk about these 10x, you know, moonshot ideas, but uh, these are areas where you could see a 10x improvement uh, or, you know, 10x efficiency, I guess, uh, whether that's driving up your sales by 10x or saving you 10x in terms of uh, cost on the customer service and support side. So I think that's an area where it's just starting. There are a couple of companies that are trying, you know, that are trying to do yeah, this and yeah. a couple of customers that are using it uh, and paying for it. But I think in the next couple of years, there'll, there'll be some tipping point, right? Because um, the technology is predicated on natural language processing and how good the, how accurate it is. And yep. when it's only 95% accurate, uh, people probably won't buy the product when it's, when it gets to 98, 99, 98, nine and a half percent yeah, accurate. Then yeah. it sort of hits the entire market. Uh, yeah. So, and and you mentioned one of the reasons it's interesting to again speak with investors. You guys can reference and rattle off a lot of companies, which is good because that lets the people at home get a tangible idea of what are we talking about? Who are these people? You said Kylie. Is it K Y L I E? Yes. K-Y-L-I-E. Got it. Okay, cool. So that, that's worth Googling for, for anybody tuned in who's interested in those applications. There's a lot of uh, interesting kind of sales support work in terms of modeling what are the best salespeople doing and then training our other salespeople to do that. But like you said, uh, there's traction in finding the more manual kind of pre-sales stuff and being able to have a machine do that. What are some of these tasks? Is this this like scraping the web for the proper contacts and reaching out with the right kind of one-to-one style email campaign is this is this kind of phone and voice related what 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 is the the sort of domain of of kind of yeah. application for kylie so right now it's mostly uh text and email right yep, and yep. uh it actually you know it's actually uh let's call it smart enough to understand uh photos and uh images and things like that but it's not it's, it's not making sales calls as far as i understand and um it basically, you know, lets there is a human component where a human can look at the pre-generated email from the system and make changes, make tweaks before they send it out. There's, you know, ways that the system gets trained over time to become more and more like that person. And yeah. Be, because you know, you get this feedback loop where if if the message, I, if the standard message I'm sending to, you know, these prospects are being changed by the human all the time with these edits, then it learns that uh, yeah, over a period of yeah, time. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and the more, you know, it's one of those incredible things. Like, you know, Albert Einstein said, the eighth wonder of the world is uh, exponential growth or 
something to the aspect. Okay, I think, I think it could have been compound interest or whatever the heck it was. Yeah, yeah. Compound I, interest. I, I get the idea though. I get the idea. Yeah, but oh no, I, I was saying network effects is the ninth wonder of the world because the <laughs> yeah. more you, more more data you have on the network, the better it gets, and the but, faster you can iterate and faster you can that, innovate on that. That's nice. That's nice. Network effect is the ninth one. Yeah, yeah. Huh? There's something to that. I'm actually surprised yeah. I haven't heard that as like a buzzword phrase somewhere else. Is that <laughs> is that you, or did you get that somewhere? I don't. I don't know. If I got no, that. That's good stuff. You I know what? I'm gonna you, give you. I'm gonna give you the credit for it if I uh, if I pull it out later on. There you go. That's Thank good. You. All right. So um, I, uh, I like the tangible example, Lee. Thank you for that. And I think this is resonating with some other similar kind of applications that I've heard of in the past. I want to make sure I'm on the, the same page with you. I think this might be a, an interesting lesson for, for the audience tuned in as well, the business folks who are looking to make smarter decisions about this stuff. I've seen somewhat similar kinds of applications in, let's say, the customer service space where, hey, you know, we have tickets of a certain kind and humans are responding in a certain way, and here's kind of the sort of template that they gave us, but they're sending it in this different way. I'm the machine. I want to reply with this response, but I'm only 85%. I haven't crossed 95% certainty. Hey, human, is this the right response to send? I'm 85% sure. And then it gets enough yeses and nos on those not 95 percenters to the point where it's starting to tweak and adjust and look for phrases and calibrate you know, via NLP and you know whatever other you know, AI approaches are going on the back end to begin to automate a lot of customer service tickets. Um, and that that's one application. What it sounds like you're talking about is kind of something quite similar, you know, repetitive, relatively rote, but still dialed in and calibrate, relatively rote, not entirely rote, relatively rote, um, dialed in kind of sales activity. There's similar stuff in, in even the, the data security space. Hey, I'm noticing this kind of activity. Do I flag it or not? Right. And and you get enough humans to say yes, flag it, no flag it, yes, flag it, no flag it. And you get people using saying those thumbs up and thumbs down across four hundred businesses who've bought your security platform. And now all of a sudden you're really able to pick up the patterns that are data security risks automatically. So finding these kind of, you know, series of patterns, validating that with consistent human behavior that's kind of bolstering it, and then sort of phasing out the humans. And this is kind of what I guess the Ubers and Lyfts of the world would hope to do as well. Okay, turn right, turn left, stop here, go there, uh, accelerate at this kind of speeds, pick people up at this corner, not this corner. All right, hey, I don't know if we need the people anymore, right? At some point, that's where you get. It sounds like what you and I are talking about, which is probably more near term than Uber, although I could be wrong about that, uh, is doing something similar in rote, text-based processing that involves some human calibration, but with enough data could be adjusted to be in a machine. It sounds like this is the, 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 the dynamic you and I are talking about. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that's how um, a lot of these things are going to go uh, yeah. in, in basically every area that you can think of is, you know, we, the machine has to be trained somehow, right? And the way that these companies are approaching it is just, hey, you know, the person who's doing that job should be training that machine to do that job. And, um, you know, I think that we're just scratching the surface in that way. You know, you talk about Lyft and Uber and Tesla. Tesla actually has more self-driving miles than any of these yeah, other guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. of them combined. Yeah. Um, and, and so you start to get to the point where you cross this, like, threshold where, you know, there's enough data. Um, in the example of Tesla, I actually wrote a blog post about this that I can send to you later. Oh, I'd where, love to, yeah. You know, I think in the next couple of years, they're going to get enough data to prove that the car is safer on autopilot 
based on the number of miles that are driven uh, than, you know, than a human driver. And at that, you know, at, at what point is it five times safer, 10 times yeah, safer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Say, okay, this is good enough. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, what you and I are talking about here in terms of broad business applications, not every company tuned in is going to have vehicles that need to right. uh, drive themselves. However, all businesses who are tuned in, anybody who cares about the bottom line, is going to probably have some borderline rote uh, activity, whether that be booking appointments, which is like your X.AIs of the world, and right, there's a number right. of people competing in that space, whether it's you know your outbound sales, whether it's your customer service, what are the rote continuous requiring of some human calibration, but really not PhD level unique <laughs> insight every single time kind of text activities that can eventually be faded out. It sounds like that's something that you kind of see a lot of traction with today and, and seem to be somewhat optimistic about in in the future, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. And then I think even another quick example when you project this out a couple of years is engineering. Like there are, um, you know, there's two companies, Terra.ai and Gigster, who are working on basically automating a lot of the engineering flow. And like you write code once for this aspect of a product, you don't have to write it again and again. It just plugs in. And the way they're approaching it is to is right now sort of an outsourcing model or a contract worker model where they're going to big companies and saying, use our service, we'll build this product, we'll build this app, we'll build this website, we'll build this product for you. And over time, their database of products and components gets so massive that you know the next time someone says, hey, I need to build this mobile app, instead of having a human write all the code and put it oh, all man, together, they yeah. say, well, we already have 98% of this app done throw it all together, have a designer come and design the UI Ouch. for it and then they're done. Right. And so like you, yeah. you've effectively, you, you can do the engineering work of the entire world with a few engineers. Yeah. <laughs> kind of exaggeration, but you, you get the point. <laughs> can, can you hear the welled up enthusiasm behind, behind that one? Yeah. Folks tuned in on this. Um, <laughs> Lee's like, I can tell, I can tell you're pretty excited about that one. Um, but Man, to be honest, I that's is that Terra or is that the Gigster folks? Uh, or is that both? both? Okay, both. It's Terra and Gigster. Yeah. Got it. I I'll be honest with you, I have not heard of Terra, uh, but I'm interested. I, I also I have kind of a, and I should probably lose this at some point, but I I have like a, like a subtle eye roll with all .ai URLs. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, it, you know, I I like the idea, and yeah, isn't isn't that isn't that kind of where it might be in the future, right? I mean, how many years ago was it when if you wanted to send like an automated email campaign, you know, you needed to be a hardcore programmer who could like rope together all the interesting tools and like figure out the automations and all this stuff, right? Now it's kind of like, well, I drag and drop an email and then I drag and drop a timer and then I drag and drop an email and then I drag and drop something that makes a decision based on what they do. And then I drag and drop an email, right? And it becomes fifth grader level. And and when is programming at large, meaning building an entire site, an entire app, an entire kind of functionality, whether it be you know an interactive calendar or some kind of health tracker or uh, some kind of e-commerce site, when can that just be kind of like articulated by a person and more or less manifested in fifth grader level uh, communication? That that um that is a quite a broad quite a broad application. I imagine initially it would have to be with simpler things because you're probably going to get a lot of Frankenstein type circumstances early on. But right. as things improve and get better and better, 
you know, maybe it does get to a point where you have you have a conversation with your smartphone for, you know, 15 minutes on the way back, uh, you know, in your bus and, you know, you show up at home and, and you more or less have a robust website with all the functionality you were hoping for that you get to tinker around with. That that takes us to some pretty wild places, actually. And that's, man, that, that's that's literally its own, like, take some meditation time worthy topic. I appreciate you tuning me into those folks because I was wholly <laughs> unaware of that domain. But but yeah, wow. I mean, again, network effects, ninth wonder of the world. I think AI is going to prove that. Um, where I guess that brings us, Lee, is, you know, as a closing topic and, and something I'm interested in getting your ideas on, you know, domains where you see kind of the automation capabilities sort of really ramping up in the coming five years or so, you know, as an investor, you know, considering some of the social ramifications is an important thing, obviously considering the economic implications is is certainly an important thing. Um, You're thinking through how is this going to, you know, even if something was a great uh, economic investment, if there was going to be a lot of regulatory pushback because of job loss in some way, you know, you guys would have to consider that because you're investing other people's money. Um, So you have to think about, so many dynamics of these businesses and about governance and about where things are headed. We talked about a couple great examples. You mentioned code with the Terra.ai folks. You know, we talked about some of the rote text kind of pre-sales customer service domain that that sort of NLP, lightly human tweaked NLP that can eventually be automated. What else in the next five years do you really feel like might have the biggest kind of potential, a kind of a job or function category for just outright automation. You know, people say like, all right, you know, your your folks that approve or or don't approve, you know, an insurance policy. Your uh, what do yeah, they call them? Underwriters, right? right? Yeah, that, that's kind of like the the super obvious example that everybody talks yeah. about. Like, oh, the underwriters are all not going to have jobs. Hopefully, they all know that by now. If you are an underwriter <laughs> tuned into this, uh, and I don't imagine we've ever had an underwriter listen to the Tech Emergence podcast, but uh, if you are, you know. It may be a good time to take some Coursera courses, and that'll help out Lee because they've invested in Coursera. Um, but uh, yeah, it may, may be time to uh, to invest in a little bit of education. But yeah, so so those are the obvious examples. What sort of broad kind of swaths of functionality do, do you sort of feel most bullish about outright automation in the coming five years, uh, just from an investor's perspective? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think five years is going to feel like a long time in AI because every week there's I know sort of, uh, oh, God, thresholds man. that are being hit. Oh, right? Yeah. It's I, I really hope the singularity takes like 25, 30 years to get here because otherwise I just feel like we're just gonna get trampled. But that's its own yeah. that's its own podcast. But anyway, go ahead. Um well I think you know even insurance you talked about that's that's a pretty obvious one. A lot of the financial stuff like being a trader, being a you know a public market investor all all the stuff that involves all that amount of data and patterns uh, that the human brain, like we're, we're just not capable, you know, our brain is not doubling in capacity every 18 to 24 months. Nope. Right. And so we're just not as equipped to process all that data. And same with, you know, marketing, same with customer support, same with, you know, sales. Like there, there are ways you can optimize a machine to be much smarter and learn faster. And the, feedback cycle is so much faster than a human, right? Like we have to go reflect and review and figure out what we could be doing better, but these machines don't need to do that. Um, obviously you talked about X.AI earlier, the assistant, you know, the sort of scheduling assistant market. Yeah. I just think in every area, the, the here, here are a couple others, you know, lawyers, 
a lot of the legal work that's just you know basic level discovery or just like writing standardized template i think that one you know people talk a lot about it i think there's a lot there's some areas of law that are going to go away uh to machines and there are some areas that are not going to go away you know doing doing transactions probably not because there's so much like emotional involvement of i want this yeah oh, of course add. yeah you want you, you probably need a, a face in the room to do that kind of stuff yeah, yeah i know what you mean yeah, yeah. but a lot of the the back office you're talking about right and i think that uh there's an interesting company that was started out of my alma mater northwestern that's called narrative science that writes you know yeah yeah financial reports that writes you know what it's like basically taking over the job of journalists and so that's kind of a scary concept like if you you know, there's so much art involved in that profession, theoretically, you know, supposedly that, that, you know, content is being created by machines, which in some ways is almost sad, but, uh, yeah. but it's happening. Yep. Um, I, I'm getting, this as the takeaway, just listening to you. And this is a takeaway from, from you. And then also kind of resonating with the, you know, gajillions of other interviews where we're, uh, we're doing around here, but what you're touching on is kind of drumming on one point and i want to see if if it's uh resonating with you in the same way basically like like if, you, if you're manipulating data you know in, in a in a in maybe in a creative but still somewhat predictable way or if you are lightly tweaking and modulating work that kind of for the most part has been done customer service sales you know article writing stuff etc you know th there's been a thousand articles uh how about a thousand 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 articles written right. about basketball game last night so like that's why narrative science can write a pretty good article about who won the basketball game and what the game was like because you know we got a bajillion articles to learn from if you're doing those those light modulations to work that's been done a million times or if you're essentially just moving around information you've got a good shot uh of of having a machine take over your stuff and i think the interesting point that you brought up earlier with network effects which i think extends this concept and i'm by no means a hype man for for ai and I, i'm not going to make any henny penny statements but i do think that there is a lot of automation potential in the next five years um the network effect point that you brought up you don't even necessarily need a company with five thousand people booking appointments in order to full-blown at some point automate appointment booking because the software that's selling you that functionality has you know five thousand clients that have an average of right. seven people using it and so that's right. so much information about appointment booking and calibrating those conversations that you don't even need the data to scale. So the vendors are garnering so much data about, let's say, programming that you haven't had to build 500 e-commerce sites to build one just at your whim. You haven't had to have 8,000 uh, interview requests in order to reply with a time when you're available um, because there's somebody else leveraging the network effects and they're just selling you the extended benefits of being able to calibrate that one particular activity and functionality. And it sounds like the folks that are that are building up that plume of data, as I've heard it called from other another investor at Canvas Ventures, right. that plume of data and, and who are plugged into the network are able to basically, you know, kind of sell the ninth wonder more or less. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And we, huh. you know, we we haven't even gotten to healthcare yet. <laughs> no. No, we haven't. Oh God, yeah. We we just got done with uh, a big analysis. We we did a big survey of like sixty plus different CEOs and execs at AI healthcare companies, and we're kind of just crunching 
the numbers on sort of where they're all focusing, but it's interesting to see those trends as well and what those ramifications are going to be. Uh, pretty broad, sweeping stuff. I know we're, we're just about at time, but Lee, I'm, I'm really glad we got to, to riff here today, and uh, I certainly hope the audience got a lot out of it. Thank you so much for, for taking the time and joining us here on the podcast. Thanks, Dan. I had a great time. That wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C-level executives and top researchers and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com, where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category, as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes, or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week.